Hey, Midlife Narrative Tribe. We are um, hosting a fantastic podcast today. Um, what happens when life turns you completely upside down and you're faced with um, your rock bottom? Well, we'd like to introduce you to Becky Wheeler. She's a driven businesswoman, a health coach, motivational speaker, realtor, wife, mom, sister, aunt, and daughter. She's currently writing her manuscript and openly shares her story in hopes that her journey can shed a light on life, living in the moment, and taking nothing for granted. Becky and her husband, Rex, along with their three dogs, recently moved from Bismarck to Moorhead. She loves to travel, ride on the back of a Harley, smile, laugh, and be with her friends. So, um, Becky, let's jump right into it and have you share your last uh, three years and the journey that you've been on. So, thank you, first of all, for having me. And for those of you that are listening, I, we greatly appreciate that. Um, so, the year is 2017, if this is where we're going to start. My uh, daughter, Emma, uh, is just turned 14. Uh, the summer of 2017. She's getting ready to enter her freshman year of high school at Legacy High in Bismarck. Super excited about life. Um, we had been on vacations. Rex and I actually had just gotten back from a major vacation where we then had Emma come meet us actually in Fargo for the Tim McGraw Faith Hill concert. And Emma was just off. So the next day I'm catching up with my folks and they're like, yeah, Emmy's got this lump on her neck. And, um, I thought, okay. So when we get back, we take her to the walk-in clinic and the doctors in Bismarck say it's mono. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's one word I'm going to come back to one phrase I'll come back to for a moment, but the doctor, what she said next, she says, just let it run its course. Which we've all heard, I think, as parents so we've, many times. We've all heard yep. that, right? Yep. So as a mom who doesn't just run to the doctor, I'm like, okay, we got to let it run its course. Right. So suck it up, Emma, because we're in mono right. and there's no medication. It's we, a virus. Yeah, yep, we just got to go through it, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so here I am <laughs> having her suck it up. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'd actually just switched positions, not positions, but companies. And so we, Rex and I were now gone again for a business trip. And had uh, one of her grandparents come and spend time with her. And I'm getting reports back from home that Emma's not doing good. She's missing school. Um, she's having a hard time seeing. And, I mean, Emma's never been like a big teaser or anything. Mm -hmm. But she's 14, freshman in high school, big high school. I don't know. Is she just playing games with us? I don't know. So we get back from Phoenix and um, setting up my office, getting ready for the open house. And we wake up that Sunday morning, I'll never forget, we're looking at a bird at the back end of our yard, and Emma comes over stumbling and she says, Mom, I'm blind, I can't see. Oh my God. I knew that couldn't be mono. Yeah. So I said, well, we're going to the walk-in, we're going to the walk-in clinic, right? Mm -hmm. It's Sunday, mm -hmm. walk-in clinic we go. Um, we weren't in there very long, Emma's blood pressure was 68 over 45. Mm -hmm immediately transitioned into the emergency room where they ran a battery of tests and asked her many questions, even about suicide, um, premarital sex. I mean, you name it. My daughter's looking at me like, mom, right. why are they asking me these mm -hmm. questions? And I'm like, I know, honey, right? I mean, think about that, 14 being ruled. Yeah. Well, we were admitted into the hospital. And two days later on September 19th of 2017, for my 46th birthday, I got a phone call from the doctor that says, you need to come now. We think Emma has cancer. Oh my God. 
So I was in the middle of an open house for my new office that I was in. I literally... They told, they told you that on the phone? Over the phone. Actually, Oof. it wasn't the hospital that called. It was my mom. Okay? So I should clarify. It was yeah. my mom that called. And she already tells me that it's not good. Emma doesn't know right now, but we need to get you here quick. The doctor needs to talk to you right away. And I remember hopping in my car. I honestly don't remember how I got from where I was to the hospital in Bismarck. And I probably took the long road to get there because I'm just randomly driving a million miles an hour on my birthday going, Mm -hmm. how does this happen? She's 14. Right. Right. So I get there. Doctor has tears running down her face, apologetic that she took so long to figure it out. And I'm like, 36 hours is not long to figure this out. Um, so I'm a big believer in things happen for a reason. And when I get to the, the this next part of my story, you might question why I say that. Um, but I really believe that, you know, that moment I just told you and the doctor said to run its course. What if I had taken Emma back in? Mm-hmm. Think about that as a parent. If you, if you take them back in and I would have, they would have not been able to find anything. What would I have done? Mm-hmm. Taken her back home. Right. Continue to say, let it run its course. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And with blood pressure that low, would she have just died in the night? Mm-hmm. And I, that does haunt me. Mm-hmm. Because thank goodness that the staff was on, that the staff was on, that I had a pediatrician that says, come or high water, I am going to find out what is wrong yeah, with your daughter. Figure this I out. care about her. Mm-hmm. So, but she says you need to go to Fargo because we don't have a facility here to treat lymphoma. Is that what they said it was? Lymphoma. Okay. Yep. She wasn't really clear on what kind, what mm-hmm. type, what it was going to take, but very, very positive that it was going to be lymphoma. And so, again, at this point, we tell Emma, by ambulance, she's going to transport to Fargo. Now, here, again, we're going to chuckle because maybe you're in the Fargo-Moorhead area and you understand this little bit of rivalry. Um, Emma's grandma, we call her Ama, so I just want to clarify that in case I (laughs) say that again, um, used to work for Essentia. And in the ER and did a great job. And so there's always this rivalry between Sintia and Innovis, mm-hmm. right? Or Innovis uh, and Sanford now, now. Yeah. whatever it's called. Y'all get it, okay? If, it you've, been, if you've been around really long hard. enough, you know it's changed. <laughs> right. And uh, so when Emma found out that it wasn't going to be Innovis, mm-hmm. she was like, I, I can't go. I'm sure Sanford won't be able to care for me. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, no, Emmy, it'll be okay. We're going to go see this doctor's friend. And it's going to be okay. And Amma would want you to go there. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, giving her permission that it's okay for a change. Right. Mm-hmm. So we arrive in Fargo. We arrive late. Um, first time I was ever introduced to child life, by the way. I had no idea who, who they are, why they even exist. Who? I mean, unless you go on to the ninth floor of the children's ward, why would you know that there's child life? No Amazing group of people mm-hmm. that not only take care of the kids, help entertain the kids, help find activity for the kids. They were like bees on honey with me with are you okay are you okay and I'm sitting there in the hospital going what do you know about my daughter that I don't know right I mean I understand this is lymphoma and my gut has turned upside down and I am like scared out of my gourd but man the way you are on me right is there something more there's something more oh gosh and so the doctors immediately began to test they needed to confirm and it was two days later Rex and I were pulled into a conference room and we, we were told this we have good news and not so good news. The good news is Emma does not have lymphoma. The bad news is, is she has something worse. And it's called hemophagocytic lymphohistiocytosis. Wow. 
And if you ever heard me speak in public, I will tell you it sounded a lot like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, yeah. yeah. and there was nothing fun about it. No. <laughs> um, and say that one more time. Yeah. What was it called? Hemophagocytic lymphohistiocytosis. The short version is HLH. Okay. And um, and so I'll describe to you in brief what it is. There's a super cool video if you want to if you want to Google YouTube or just go to YouTube app. Uh, put in there University of Cincinnati Children's Mad Max video. It's a four minute cartoon. This is literally what we showed Emma to tell her what she had. Um, and it takes you from a child who is battling with their macrophages. It attacks your um, white blood cells. It attacks all of your organs. It is fire. There is no known proven cure. There are protocols to follow. Success rate of survivorship in children is 25% or less. And no idea how you contract it. There's no, no known, um, but it did come in through mono. Again, not scaring anybody out there that child has mono. I don't want anybody to naturally jump to conclusions that they have HLH. Um, but your immune system becomes attacked. Mm -hmm. And it attacks your, continues to attack your immune system, kind of like your circuit board is being blown up. Mm -hmm. And you gotta get in there and you gotta stop those circuits from blowing. Mm -hmm. So um, we were admitted into Fargo. Uh, the treatment for it is chemo and steroids. Um, Emma had many blood transfusions, platelet transfusions, surgeries, ports inserted. Um, she was losing her hair. I remember a time where she says, Mom, will my friends still like me if I no longer have hair? So she asked her friends if they would still be her friends. And I asked her, what did they say? And they said, yeah, mom, they'll still be my friends. Mm -hmm. And I said, then you got good friends. Mm -hmm. We've had these many, many heart-to-heart -heart conversations. I'll never forget, it was a night in October, and I'm really good about certain dates, and I wish I could remember this particular date, but I can't, but you'll get the message. It was just Emma and me in the hospital. We never left her alone. There was always either me or Rex, or my mom eventually took the night shift when Rex and I could take the day shift, realizing this is going on for a very long time, and I, too, need to sleep. But it was one night, it was just Emma and me. She turns her head to me and she says, Mom, what if they can't fix me? Mm. And I didn't answer the question because I didn't know how. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how does a mom answer it? Because we naturally we want to say it'll be fine, it'll mm -hmm. be fine. Right. And trying to keep her hopes up and trying to keep her spirits up. And within three weeks, the chemo's attacking her. She's down 40 pounds. She can't stand up on her own. If she needed to be stood up, she would lift her arms up. She'd be on the side of the bed and Rex would come over and lift her up. Wow. We gave her showers. Um, she's in pain, but she never whined about it. And she would laugh and we would try to have fun. And again, child life would try to bring in activities. And there were many times she was confined to her room because she's got this, that, or the other thing and infectious and things like that. And um, we thought we were turning a corner and we got her out of her room. We had some friends from Bismarck come. We had a big old uh, football party for her. Uh, some bison guys came and honestly, really that October 22nd afternoon was probably the highlight to her journey. We finally got her temperature down low enough. I need to back up one more moment before I go into this next level of my story. It's a few days after that football party. Emma is no longer responding. The doctors say it. We think there's something still lingering behind that HLH. We're gonna let her chill. In other words, we're not gonna try to treat anything right now. We're just gonna 
see if something else will show up. Mm-hmm. And on the morning of the 26th of October, we were driven to downtown. Um, a PET scan was performed, and there they did find anaplastic large cell T cell lymphoma at stage four. And not only did she have HLH, she does have lymphoma. She is still testing positive for mono. Wow. Um, I, I chuckle a little bit about this next moment because originally when lymphoma, I'm like in the hallway, literally crying and feeling like the, my gut is being ripped out from, from underneath me. And I think of literally the Tim McGraw song of live like you're dying. Mm-hmm. And that's all I could think of for Emma is living like you're dying, you know, and, and then we're told something worse. And then here comes lymphoma and like, it was like uh, stress lifted. We can treat lymphoma. Right. We got a 52-week plan. We can go boom, 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 right? We got this. Mm-hmm. And three times I said, but if we stop treating the HLH and we move to the lymphoma, how do we know if the HLH will go into remission? Mm-hmm. And the answer is we don't. Mm-hmm. So we switched gears, changed up her chemo regimen. This is now an even more intense regimen. That's such a young girl. Yep, sure. who's already barely able to move. Wow. We finally got her to a point where the fevers were no longer, the ferritin was in check, and they're like, we've got a gap before the storm hits. I remember Dr. K saying that, before the storm hits. Now he's thinking a chemo storm. Right. If we can get her out of this hospital, we need to go when we can go. And so she was discharged on November 1st. And stupid me, here I am thinking she can't leave the room, like a hotel, right? We need to get all the luggage out. We need to get it all in the car. Yeah. We got to get it all gone before we can literally check out, right? If I could redo that moment, I would have gotten her out first, and I'm sure they would have reserved the hospital room for me to get the rest of her goodies out, right? Um, so Emma was super cool. We got out about 1 o'clock, took her to West Acres. She had ice cream. We bought a new outfit because our plan was to go have steak dinner. She's been dying to go out for steak. And it was the next morning when she wakes up. We're having a great day. We go out for breakfast. We come home. She's super tired. She lays down to take a nap on the couch. She wakes up. I'm looking at her, and I said, Emma, are you okay? Her eyes are blinking a million miles an hour. And she says, Mom, I got a really bad headache. I go downstairs to get the Tylenol, and I come back up. She's in a full-blown seizure. I've got two phones in one hand, one, one phone in each hand, one's to 911, one is to the ninth floor of Sanford Children's, and they said, we're coming back. And they're like, I hope you got 911. I'm like, over here, you know? And so anyway, we go back into the hospital. That was on November 2nd, and on November 8th, the doctors come rushing in, and they said, Becky, you've got to go now. Her kidneys are failing. We need a life flight you to Minneapolis. So that snowy November day, we're life flighted to Minneapolis, and from there, we didn't know we had six days left. Emma became no longer able to move. So when you're life flighted, you're still hoping. We're still hoping. We understand kidneys are failing. We understand we could go into dialysis. Um, Emma now is not speaking a whole lot. She really isn't moving on her own. Her back is in extreme extreme pain. And the only thing that's helping the pain is um, opioids. Mm -hmm. I I hate fentanyl. I hate Mm -hmm. to say it, but it is true. And the doctors would even for a reason. We we do for a reason, yeah. right? If done the right way. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even put the word opioid to it, and and I don't really believe that she was overdosed by any means. So please don't take it that way. Um, but it really was the only painkiller that was handling the amount of pain that she was feeling. And most of the do- the doctors said to me many times, Becky, if that was an adult laying in that bed, they would have been screaming mm-hmm. from the moment they were admitted. Mm-hmm. And she's handling it with the utmost grace that you can ever imagine. 
And so Minneapolis brought on a new facility, it brought on new physicians, it brought in new staff, it brought in a new set of child life. Rex and I are now literally living out of the hotel room or out of the hospital room. People are like, are you going to get a hotel? And we're like, we don't even know what's going on. So the answer is no. Right. Mm -hmm. We're going to make the best out of these two chairs that we got here. Mm -hmm. And we literally had about a four by four corner because the rest of the room was dedicated solely to Emmy and any of the machines that she needed. Right. Um, she went from being able to say a few words to within the next day, no words, to us needing to say, squeeze her hand for once, squeeze her hand twice, or yet for yes, twice for no, to no movement, to being intubated because of medication. She needed assistance to breathe, not life support, but assistance. To then the doctors, because she's intubated and still not responding to anything, doing one more test and found a very rare fungal disease. One thing, after another. one thing after another, as if we haven't been making decisions already constantly. And the only way to remove that fungal disease is literally removal. And they thought that's why her kidneys were failing. Her bladder at this point has shut down. Her skin is no longer holding back any blood. She's having multiple seizures after seizures. The assist to breathe has now gone to full life support. And on the rounds of the 12th of November, I put two and two together and I pulled the doctors aside and I said, we're done, aren't we? And they said, oh my goodness, we were going to come to you. And so I called make to make a wish because she was eligible for a wish. In fact, they were going to grant it on November 8th or have come and do the reveal on November 8th. And here we're being life flighted. And I called make a wish back here in Fargo. And I just said, Hey, is there any way I know this is probably a long shot, but Emma loved Thanksgiving. It was her favorite holiday because it was with family. Is there any way? we could have one final Thanksgiving. They pulled it off. They flew in some family members from Texas and California um, and, and Louisiana, and they put on a feast so local family and friends could come. Wow. Um, we let everybody go up and see Emmy, you know, and um, we made it a celebration of life. But it was that same night, November 14th, Rex and I went into her room one final time we removed. She's still squeezing your hand. She's no longer moving. There's no, there's no interaction. Mm -hmm. I joked with her one day. I did. We went into the family room, and she happened to love sprinkled donuts. And so, in the family room, there was a box of donuts, and so I saw the sprinkled one, and I took it into her room, and I'm like, "Hey, Em, <laughs> go get your donut when you're ready," you know. And you know, they they say they can hear, right? I'm right. hoping she was laughing in her head, and right. and and they had pain under control, or whatever, you know. We always try to find humor. Yeah. yeah. We always tried to find some way to make it through whatever moment we were in. Mm -hmm. But at 9.01 p.m. on the 14th was when they officially announced her gone. And our life forever changed. And so that's where we started. And, and I think one of the reasons probably why Teresa asked is um, a little bit and, and Kirsten on asking me to speak a little bit because I didn't know how to live without my why because she was my why. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you were a single mom oh. with her for years, and mm -hmm. she really was your life partner. Mm -hmm. like, she was. When you say why, mm -hmm. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. You did everything for her. Yeah. Right. And now she's gone. She's gone. Yeah. My whole last 14 years of my life has been 
not spoiling spoiling her rotten kind of that right? right but working through life's changes and challenges and all the things that go with what happens to kids when their parents are no longer together right. and making sure she's safe and sound and educated mm -hmm. and yes everything i did and even when i got remarried that was a very yeah. important um piece of the pie because rex is not her quote-unquote blood dad yeah. But if Emma were here today, her, like, oh my goodness, that mm -hmm. is her dad. And she would tell you that, um, that's my dad. You're right. And uh, they had such an amazing bond. And it was one that I wasn't going to get in the way. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and, and so grateful I was mm -hmm. that she and, and Rex had such a special non-blood bond. Right. That she wouldn't have known the difference. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so... We left Minneapolis with Emma in an, in an urn, and we drove home. <laughs> Can't even imagine the spiral that begins to happen. Do you remember that? the last conversation you were able to have with her? Um, did she understand? Um, you know, probably the last true, like, interactive yeah. conversation yeah. would have been back in Fargo when she knew she was in pain. Okay. Um, but I, there was not like any profound, okay. over the top kind of intense conversation. Okay, yeah. One of her last words spoken was red. And the reason for that was Minneapolis has a cool thing called music therapy okay, yeah. where they would bring in to bring music into the room because it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. The videos, you posted it on Facebook I did. and it was I, beautiful. And he could get her to interact through music. Okay. And so he was just literally strumming and making up a song and trying to get her to say colors of, mm -hmm. of just words of colors, right? And so one of her last words was red. But we didn't know that it was going to be mm -hmm. one of those last words. And again, I, I am blessed. I captured. I do have that on video. Mm -hmm. I do have, and it gives me goosebumps to this day. Mm -hmm. There's even one point where visually a conversation, and you can just see it in Emma's eyes, She's laying on her back. She can't move. She rolls her eyes to the side and looks at Rex, almost to say, Dad, help me. Mm -hmm. Gosh. And we didn't even know how to help. There's no, what can you do? There's nothing you can do as a parent, but be, do exactly what you did. And that's just be there. Be there. Be there. Yep. Live in the moment. And moments aren't always good. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you from that moment in November when we drove back home, um, I tried to function, but I didn't know how. Mm -mm. I tried to get out of bed. I didn't know how. Mm -hmm. I tried to go to sleep. I couldn't. And so I tried to get back. At the time, I was a mortgage officer um, out in, in, in Bismarck, and um, my brain no longer worked. Mm -hmm. You know, Emma's journey literally from diagnosis to wings was 55 days from a spunky freshman to no longer. Right. And um, I just knew I could no longer be a loan officer, but what am I gonna do? And Rex and I are out in Bismarck, most of our family, well, all of our families this direction, we have quite a quite few more friends this way than we did that way. So we decided we would sell our dream home, um, a home that we built mm -hmm. that Emma would finish high school through. Um, you know, one thing I wanna talk about grief for a moment because Grief comes in many different forms. 
uh, from loss of job to loss of spouse, not necessarily physically, but through divorce. It could be a financial change. I think society doesn't know enough about the word grief, and we oftentimes want to put it in a three-day window, three window of human resources. Right. Like, that's what you're going to get paid for. Right. right. You should be good to go now. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know? And, um, but I really want to speak to your heart for a moment because grief is longer than that. Grief is much more brutal than that. Everything we have is gone. Our money is gone. Mm-hmm. Basically, our house is gone. Mm-hmm. We sold our motorcycle. We went down to one vehicle. And that takes me to May of 2019. So in the year of 2019, so I've just fast forward 2018 with you, but I want to hit 2019 quick. But May of 2019, now at this point I have entered public speaking. I speak with Make-A-Wish. I've spoken for Children's Miracle Network. Um, I'm now currently, now I'm on the board of directors for Spare Key, which is a nonprofit, but it was a nonprofit that actually helped us during Emma's journey. And I was a keynote speaker for their gala in the February of 2019. So I'm in front of the stage and on stage for thousands and thousands of people sharing our story and what they don't know is that I was good for those three minutes or five minutes or 20 minutes, but I would go home and I would crash for a week. I still can't get out of bed. I still can't get up. And here I was being asked to speak locally for um, Roger Maris fundraiser. I'm gonna speak about Emma's cancer portion of her journey because it was for that. Mm-hmm. And it was a great Gatsby thing. I'm gonna tell you folks, there was nothing great in my closet and there was nothing ever Gatsby about it. (laughs) And so I went to my favorite store, Amazon.com, because I also have found uh, relief, I think, in eating a lot and drinking a lot. Mm -hmm. I wasn't healthy before Emma got sick. I can see pictures of that, but I got really unhealthy. And I think you told me at one point when we talked about this, that literally you got up just long enough to maybe drink six beers. Yeah. Stuff the pain and then go back to bed. Exactly. So imagine no activity, drinking, eating crappy, and you are depressed. Mm -hmm. Your health is shot. It's gone. Yeah. And and if anyone knows Becky, she has so much energy that sometimes I'm like, whoa. (laughs) Whoa, girl. (laughs) So to have that light be dulled is not who you are. Where, Where was your faith? at this time and and great question right because you may not know this about me i am a pastor's kid okay i was brought up in church i went to bible college to be a youth pastor okay so let's talk about spirituality for a moment right i'm a firm believer in christ and actually um i felt like i was getting closer to god but was i getting closer to god Mm -hmm. right i mean i'm doing all the bad i wasn't angry though And, and yet I felt a sense of peace from him, but here I am drinking my way through life. Mm-hmm. I literally will tell you, I was probably turning into, if I wasn't already an alcoholic. Um, I, 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 you know, but as we were driving to the funeral home, um, I'll never forget Rex asking me, Becky, why? Why? And of course I'm rattling off all these questions and then I got to the one, but are you closer to God? And his answer was yes. And I said, well, then maybe that's why. For Rex. To For get Rex. closer to God. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because she loved him so much. Maybe, again, mm-hmm. she sacrificed. She didn't sacrifice herself. But maybe, in a way, there was a bit of a sacrifice. So that mm-hmm. Rex, Rex could, could see, see her again. Right. 
right? right. I'm a firm believer that Emma's in heaven. I, she was yeah. a Christian. We talked about that. I, I didn't live it even really well with her because I think in life we get so busy and I was so complex in work that Sundays were my downtime. Mm -hmm. So we weren't into a ritual of Sunday morning service. And by the way, you know what? Church happens outside of those four walls, yeah. people. Yeah. They yeah. really do. Yeah, for sure. They, and, and so my spirituality, I thought I was really growing with God because I'm sitting outside drinking. <laughs> I mean, what I was I'm saying, out in the sunshine, out in the sunshine right? I'm because I was the sun. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, you know, kind of a thing. And so, so but I loved when we had our last lunch together and I asked you what your defining moment was and you went to this Gatsby story because I think it's pretty powerful. Yeah, so so here I am having to speak. And, and by the way, I, I needed to go in costume because nobody knows what to do with a bereaved parent. Mm -hmm. So we're already the elephant in the room. Physically, I'm the baby elephant in the room, okay? <laughs> I, I'm four foot 11 and three quarters inches. Now that's very important because if I reached five foot, my grandma would have given me 20 bucks. Um, <laughs> she's still got to pay up, but she's in heaven too. So four but foot 11. Four foot 11. And I'm going to tell you guys, most women don't talk about this, but here it is. I weigh 228.4 pounds. I bought two sizes on Amazon.com because surely I'm not the biggest size that I bought. I must be the smaller size. So I lay on some Spanx and I come out with the room and I'm all Gatsby'd up and Rex smacks his head. He's like, I hope you got something else. Oh, and this is a man that loves me dearly and <laughs> never has so talked about my weight. Okay. He's never said, oh my goodness, honey, look at you. Never, ever, ever. And I hear I am defeated again. Mm -hmm. Well, I do have one more size. 3x one more layer of Spanx literally you put on another layer of yeah Spanx. yeah I gotta I gotta I gotta suck this up buttercup because I gotta get into this dress and I gotta put a smiley face on and show up at yeah this event. and I'm gonna go speak I'm the keynote speaker and I'm gonna help raise money and I am at rock bottom and when I saw a picture of that and I'm gonna say one more thing about grief my relationship with my husband was no longer a relationship we were not on the verge of divorce. I want to be very clear about that. That has never entered our conversation, but he now was my best friend. He was nowhere near a husband. And this is a very raw moment, but I know that there's somebody out there listening that just needs to understand that they're not alone mm -hmm. and that you might have a raw moment in life and you don't know how to fix it. So here it was me. I'm going to work on losing weight. <laughs> <laughs> if I just lost a little weight, maybe my husband would touch me again. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could go on a date again if we had the money, uh, but, but we would find the way for that. Okay. I've got plenty of things I still can sell coach bags, whatever. You know, um, but anyway, my point is I sought for weight loss because I think as women, we think, well, if I'm just a little bit skinnier, whether you're skinny or you're not skinny, I always think that there's a way that we can improve and we always look to weight mm -hmm. to improve. Yep. If I'm a smaller size, that must be it. Solve everything. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so I reached out to a dear friend of mine to say, hey, I need some help. And I entered this to lose some weight. My goal was 89 pounds. And uh, I'm going to tell you that what began to happen while I began to lose weight very easily following a system that I had so easy to do. I began to heal on the inside and I now could sleep and I now can get up mm -hmm. and I now have energy 
and I no longer drank six beers a day. Right. <laughs> um, but I think that the important, and, I'm, and correct me no, if go I'm ahead. wrong, it wasn't about the weight loss itself. It was about the fact that you took control to do something. Absolutely. And, and I think that that's where a lot of women beat themselves up because you had to decide to get your shit together. Right. And you did. I had to. Right. Because at the end of the day, I couldn't afford to lose one more thing. Mm-hmm. And you felt like you were losing your husband because now he's just your best friend. And you're like, I, I'm yeah. willing to fight for this. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, because you can't see me, it's a podcast. I am going to tell you I'm down 59 total inches. I am down 52 pounds. And you have all your energy back. I have all of my energy back. I'm trying to hold it back, y'all. I'm just saying. And I was, given, I was given a certain time limit. And I hope you're still with us because we're over that time limit. But, um, you, you, know, you know, but I, I just really want to give a voice of encouragement that if you're at a spot where you just don't know what to do, that sometimes taking time, I'm not going to say sometimes, I'm going to say stop taking sometimes and start doing. You have to start doing something for yourself. If it's five minutes a day, maybe it's work on your weight. Maybe it's work on your mind. I've been working on my mind, my insides, my weight. I have never felt like this good in ever, maybe 16. I don't even know if that was a time frame for that, but, um, it is okay to feel bad. But it's also okay to work and get beyond that. I just said to these guys before we got on a podcast that people oftentimes will say to me, you got to get over it. Mm-hmm. And my message to whatever you've got in life that you're having a hard time getting over it with is don't worry about getting over it. Focus on moving forward with it. With it. I like with that it. a lot, Becky. That's awesome. Move forward with, with it, it because you're, you can't change it. Yeah. I'd give anything to have Emmy back. For that big luggy 14-year-old arm with sweaty armpits that you'd hope that she'd put more deodorant on. Y'all know what I'm talking about if you got a teenager and you're like pinching your nose going, I love you, kid, right? And um, I'd give anything for that moment. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't. And so don't take life for granted. Mm -hmm. Move with it. And I know you can do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Amen. Awesome. I just want to touch, and I know that we're a little over time, but um, she sends you signs all the time. All the and time. I watch, and I watch your journey with the signs, and I just, and every now and then I'll send you one and go, I think I got one for you, <laughs> yeah. and I'll send you a picture, and yeah. I know other people are doing the same thing they are. for you. But she sends you hearts, hearts in the strangest freaking forms imaginable. I'm like, why would a heart show up there? It's been in the clouds. Like, have yeah. you ever seen a cloud in a Wasn't there a cereal there or something? There was cereal. Like, she actually does a lot of food. And I'm like, Emma, and maybe she's <laughs> encouraging my health journey, right? Because I have many people traveling the same health journey with me. Yeah. You know, and so it could be like fist pumping me, you know, yeah. go mom, you yeah. know, tomato juice dropping into heart shapes, or I'll be in a restaurant sharing your story with others. And I had sushi come at uh, crave the other day and hearing the sauce on the sushi, I look down on my plate and here's a heart, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, people don't do that. I mean, yeah, I know baristas might fancy hearts and coffee, right? But for the most part, come on. Yeah. People <laughs> aren't sliding hearts. You know, tomato juice doesn't drop into heart shapes. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I think there's so much comfort in that, just yeah. knowing that yeah. there's 
um, much higher power and people following yeah. the journey and everything yeah. else. Um, I do want to give a little shout out because when we had a, another podcast, we were talking about the best way to empower yourself and to learn is oftentimes to teach. And that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. You're now coaching other people on their wellness journey. And mm-hmm. so I am this bump. <laughs> Thank you awesome. so much. I know. I love you. Love you too. All yeah. right. Thanks Thank everybody. You. Thank you. <laughs>